The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you. Just to read a, a verse of Scripture from 2 Timothy 2, 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in sufferings as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So it's this idea of, of you heard this from me, you pass this to others, um, and part of your growth in discipleship should be learning about church history, that we are not new at this. We are thousands of years deep into what we're doing here, and there are many, many men who came before us that were faithful in what they did uh, to teach others so that we might know what we know now, and they have been faithful to preserve the scriptures so that we might read them now and know them. And we know that God's providence is upholding all of this and carrying it along because it will, God's word will remain until he returns and it will not be lost. But one of the things that I have a passion for, and, and this, this talk really begins with my dad, um, because I started being interested in small group Bible studies through him. Uh, many years ago when I was a kid, that's, I remember being drug out of the bed in the morning, at first being drug, and then later being glad to get out of the bed to go to Shoney's, worst restaurant in the world. I don't know why they ever chose Shoney's, but that's where we met because they had a room off to the side, and it was a group of men from our church, and then at another point in time, it was this thing called CBMC, Christian Businessmen's Committee, if any of you have ever heard of that, but the point is, it's a small group, early morning men's Bible study. And uh, I just loved it. I grew a lot in those Bible studies. I remember by the time we let out, the sun was just coming up. And it was a great time. So from that, fast forward to um, coming out. Well, actually, it started in Miami. And a brother, dear brother who's not here now, a guy named Paul Sock, who is uh, doing some overseas work, but he's just a dear brother of of ours, when we were in Miami with Miami SWAT, we decided to start a Bible study down there. And it was a small group of guys that were on the team down there. We met in the morning at a uh, Panera Bread. We came up to uh, HRT and, and just that whole area, the whole tactical section. It was a group of people that was, that was closed. Because if you know anything about tactical section within the Bureau, it runs out of that area. And it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult pe- group of people to, to reach because they, they work in one environment that is literally gated off, and then they work under classified things, which is another level of gating, and then they do things that people just don't even understand. So it's just basically everything about what they do, the people that are around them don't understand what they do. And so oftentimes that type of person comes to church and just, like, they don't connect with anybody. And they walk away feeling like, I didn't connect with anybody, and church is not a helpful experience often, and that's unfortunate. Your workplace may be like that. One way or the other, you spend a ton of time at work. And so when Jesus talks about reaching your neighbor for the Lord, your neighbor can mean any number of things. But I know that I see the people at work a hundred times more than I see my neighbor next door. And the people that see you at work 
a part of what Nick was talking about this morning. They see the real you, the you under pressure, the you on the road, the you in management meetings, all these types of things. And if you, by the grace of God, are able to live a consistent witness, when you begin to talk to them about Jesus, it means a lot more. And they can see that there's something significantly different there. And, um, and it gives you an opportunity. So the why is that it's where you spend most of your time and can have a large impact. So if we're asking the question of why should I lead a work-based Bible study, it's because of that. It's where you know people, you have the, the most time invested with people, and you can have, I believe, the largest impact. And if you stay with the same job for a long time, you can have an enduring impact, which we're going to talk about that. Uh, the one that's been going on up at tactical section is in what? Year six, I believe. Um, so we have seen dramatic and substantial growth in people's lives over six years of studying the scriptures. Where to have this? So, uh, brother, tell me your name with the Forest Service. Kenny. So uh, we were talking earlier about where to do this. And he also works uh, for another government organization. And, you know, we have batted this around a lot and have continued to come back to we have it off-site. We do not have it on-site at... Uh, the business. And you could do that back and forth. I would argue, after some years of doing this, that having it not at the place of business is preferable because it, it brings a little bit of separation between work and business. And I think one of the th- reasons why that's good is partly because it allows, it allows there to be a separated time to study the scriptures. Like the phone's not ringing, people aren't coming in the door with deliveries, there's not a distraction of what's going on with work. You just, this is where we go to study the scriptures, and it's a set-aside time to do that. And I think in the end, that that's more valuable than some of the other offsetting benefits. Because if you meet on site, I think there also can be an aspect of pride that, that enters in. Uh, I know you, the other argument is that, well, people see us studying the scriptures. And uh, I don't know, you can go both ways. I, this, is, this, is, this is all in the area of conviction. Whatever you choose to do is fine. Uh, for us and the way it works, we meet off-site at a Bob Evans uh, that's right outside the back gate of Quantico. And the, the positive there is that this waitress, the same waitress, Deb, has been waiting on us forever, for six years. And so, you know, at Christmas, we, you know, take an offering up for her and we pray for her. And she knows, absolutely, like when she's not there, she tells the filling in waitress, like, what's going on? She doesn't want, like, the, the service of our group to get messed up. It's hilarious, but it's great at the same time. So where, wherever you want to do it, uh, but when does matter, okay? When, I am absolutely convinced it's got to be early, okay? If you try to do it at lunch, it will not work. Why? Because everybody's busy, and every, there will be all kinds of conflicts that, for any number of reasons, it will not work, Call people to sacrifice to study the scriptures. We meet at 6.15 to 7.15 a.m. So a lot of guys drive in from various places. I mean, you've got to get up 5.30, 5 o'clock, whatever, to get there on time. That is not too early. If people whine about it, tell them it's worth it, you need to come. And we're not changing this to make it easier for you. And there are, there's pattern after pattern in the scriptures of Jesus rising early to spend time with the Lord. And there's something very quiet and unclouded about that time early in the morning where people are ready to open the scriptures and learn. So I encourage you, set the time early. 
And in some place, like we started out in a Panera Bread, and it was just too doggone loud. The music was just loud, and we went to the manager like, sir, we're the only people in here. Could you please, like, turn the music down a little bit? And it was a hard no. Like, this guy clearly did not want us meeting there. So, like, all right, we'll go across the street to Bob Evans, where they, you know, bend over backwards to make it uh, an inviting environment. So keep working your environment until you find an environment that works. And that, that'll take adjustment. No matter what you start or what you do, you will always have to adjust fire as you go along to, to figure out the kinks to make it work. So why? It's because it's people that you have a lot of investment with, huge potential for impact, where on business, off business, doesn't really matter. But when is early. Do it early. Where I want to spend most of my time today is talking about the format and the the way of inviting people to this thing. Obviously, this is just one format, but this format has worked. It, it has worked in, in a way that I, it just kind of fell, fell into this pattern, but it worked so well that we have stuck with it for years. So the first thing that I want to argue that is a big difference from where most men's studies go, they call them Bible studies, but they're not Bible studies. They're a book study that somebody else wrote. I'm telling you that you need to study the Bible, which means you get a Bible out and you read it and you study it. And that is where the power is. The scriptures are God's word. And most people in this day and age have never spent time reading the Bible. And we go successively through books of the Bible. And so what we do is, uh, I mean, when we started this thing, it was John. We've gone through, what all have we done, Nick? We've done John, we've done... Luke, um, so we did one, a series on like uh, the life of uh, King David going through kings, uh, we've done Samuel in the Old Testament, we've done a section of Genesis about creation, uh, we, get, we tend to go back and forth between New Testament, Old Testament, um, but usually it's a chapter at a time, and we'll read, well, so that's the whole thing, first of all, is to study the scriptures, do not be afraid to study the scriptures. If you don't feel like you understand how to teach a passage of scripture, that's fine. That means you're diving into the deep end of the pool and it's going to challenge you significantly to learn how to explain the scriptures to people. You can get resources and you can get smart and you can learn these things and you can struggle through this stuff together. And that's actually one of the best parts of it is to see guys struggle together to learn the scriptures. But our format is one hour. We go from 6.15 to 7.15. So in this one-hour format, I encourage you to start on time, okay? If you say that this Bible study starts at 6.15, when 6.15 hits, you're asking for somebody to pray, and we're going to start this thing, okay? What's going to happen the first week you do this? You might be the only person there, you and one other guy, and everybody's going to come in like, oh, I'm late. What's happening here? Well, it's 6.20. It's 6, Sorry, guys, it starts at 6.15. Well, what happens very soon is that people realize it starts at 6.15. And so they get there at 6. So they can yap for 15 minutes. And we end on time at 7.15. As, as close as possible, we end this thing at 7.15. Why? Because working men have things to do and places to go. And if they've scheduled 6.15 to 7.15, they've scheduled 6.15 to 7.15. So finish at 7.15. And then guys can stay and hang out and talk for as long as they want to talk afterwards. And they're free to stay as long as they want to stay. And sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. But business is over at 7.15. You start with prayer. 
When you start on time, you start with prayer, always. You always ask for God's blessing on the occasion. Um, I try, even though I started leading this thing, you are constantly trying to delegate everything out that you can to teach other people how to do things that they don't know how to do. Now, you are not forcing people into an uncomfortable situation, but you are nudging people towards something that they're not used to doing. And so you ask, would someone please ask for God's blessing in our time and our meeting this morning? And wait. Okay, some people that are not used to leading small group Bible studies, it's, who would pray for us this morning? Okay, I'll pray for us. Like, hold on, you you waited like two seconds. So give it some time. Let it lay on the table. And, you know, once it's like, all right, nobody's going to volunteer, then I'll volunteer. And then you need to think, when you leave that Bible study that day, who was at that table that could have prayed? And you need to go to that dude between that week and the next week and say, next week, I want you to pray when I ask for a volunteer. And let that guy ruminate on it. Let him think about it so he can be prepared for the next time around. And the next week, who will lead us in prayer? Nobody. He's looking over at you. You're looking at him. He's like, why don't you pray for us? Okay, because, I mean, you prepped him. He's good. Like, all right, go for it. You've got to feel your way out there. But the bottom line, get somebody to pray and don't do everything yourself. Next, we read the scriptures out loud. So if it's a whole chapter, like I read a lot of scripture up here. Um, I think that's great, by the way. Like we need to read the scriptures more. Unfortunately, in our churches today, there's very, very little reading of God's word. A lot of our own words and very little of God's word. God's word is powerful in a way that maybe you don't understand. Like, it's not a mystical thing. It's God's word. And when, he, when it's read aloud, he speaks to people's hearts and he changes them. And that's the way it works. So what we do is we'll take the whole chapter, say we're in, like we were this morning, fourth chapter of John. All right, we're going to go around the table. We'll start right here, read five verses, and we're going to go around the table until we get done with this thing. If you do not want to read, just say pass, and we'll go to the next person next to you. We're not trying to, like, nail people. So always remember to say that. If you're uncomfortable and you don't want to read, that's fine. Just say pass, and we'll go to the next person. So far, I have never had someone pass, ever. Now, that may just be the environment that, I, that we're in, but usually it just took people a little, a little nudge, a little push. I'm telling you, I absolutely believe that some of the guys around the table in our Bible studies is the first time they've ever publicly out loud read the Scriptures. They're all literate, very intelligent people, but it's seldom that people read God's Word out loud. And there's something beautiful and powerful about it. And it causes people to think about things. So let's back up. We're starting on time, starting with prayer. Next, we're reading the Scriptures out loud. Now, if you, if you do some type of little intro, fine, but don't skip the reading of the Word of God. Your words are not more important than God's words. So that you take you... You know, maybe 10 minutes into this thing. We then take about 30 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes of teaching. Teaching and discussion, okay? We're going back and forth, and this is a progression. And so if you've got 30, 40, 50 verses of Scripture, do not fall into the trap of thinking you've got to cover all this. It's impossible. You can't. 
You read it all, but you're choosing one or two things that you think are important from this, the rest of it. The rest of it just stays on the table. A person's been exposed to it, but you don't go through it. If you try to cover it all, you'll just wear everybody out because you'll go way over time, and it'll be all about you, and we're gonna, you'll end up missing the last part of it, which is prayer. So choose one or two things out of that section of Scripture that you feel are important and that you feel you can adequately cover in a 20 to 30 minute period of time. When we first started this years ago, I would ask questions and I wouldn't get any answers. And all right, well, I'll give you some answers. Let, let's, let's talk about this. And I asked some more questions. Very little discussion because guys were not used to reading the Bible and they were not used to studying the Bible and their knowledge of the Bible was low. It is amazing now. First of all, I don't even teach our Bible study anymore um, because my time, obviously I, I still work full time, but I, we're planning a new church and the new church has just taken up all my time. So guys that have come to salvation and guys that have grown up in the spirit now lead it. And so I just come and attend. It's actually the one time of the week that I don't have to teach something. I come and I listen. And it is just, it makes me almost want to weep when somebody asks a question and like these incredible answers of people that have this book they just read and this biblical word. I mean, it is just passion and knowledge and excitement. Like this is just, it's so different than what it was five years ago. It's incredible. And it shows the spiritual growth of people over time. And I know because they tell me that a lot of these guys, the most Bible they get in any week, any given week, is at our Bible study. They get more Bible at our Bible study than they do in their church. And that's an indictment on the American church, but it's just the truth. And you can't necessarily change that person's true church, but you can give them the scriptures in this small group Bible study and give it to them and teach them and watch how the Lord will change and grow people's lives over time. It's about quality, not quantity. I talked about that a little bit. Don't feel like you got a victory if you covered, said something about every verse there. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to teach specific things. Quality, not quantity. Okay, so that should take you to no more than 40 minutes of the total time. And if you have a hard time with this, get a timekeeper. Someone to tell you when you've bumped up, when you've, you've got five minutes left. And somebody will tell you, all right, you got five minutes, wrap it up, wrap it up. And sometimes it has to, it, it's like, all right, boys, that's it, we're done, Shh, done. Like somebody can talk, be talking and running their mouth or whatever, like, we're done. Okay, the hard transition then goes to prayer, okay? We do not spend enough time praying for each other. So it depends on what you have. If you have more than, t- if you have 10 or more people at the table, at that point you need to break the table in half. So you have two groups of five. If you have 15, if you have 20, it's four groups. However many people, and by the way, once you get to the point where you have 20 people, it's no longer a small group. You need to recruit more teachers, you need to have two groups. And if you've got that issue, like we can go back and talk about that more, but um, if you, you need to pray in groups of about five. Get them down to about that size. And the first 10 minutes, 5 to 10 minutes, is taking prayer requests. And again, just like the Bible study, at first it will be all requests about other people and things that are not related to them. Why? Because there's been no trust built yet, and people don't really know each other yet, and they're not sure they're going to tell you something about their life. 
But I'm telling you, as the months and years go on, the stuff just starts coming out. And the, the real things that people are struggle with start to get laid out on the table. And you begin praying for each other in ways that you never prayed for each other before. You never knew was going, things that you didn't know were going on. And obviously, it affects your week. You know, when you hear that someone's child is sick or someone's marriage is on the rocks or whatever, and you come back to that brother during the week and say, hey, brother, how you doing? Like, how's your kid doing? Uh, how can we pray for you? And or, you follow up the next week around. When someone gets sick, you go to the hospital and you start to visit them. Like, you'd never have done that beforehand. But now you're just praying for this guy and his wife this Sunday morning, and lo and behold, she's now in the hospital, so maybe you and your wife go up there and visit them in the hospital. And if things start to happen outside of the Bible study group that matter, but you take real prayer requests and you write them down, okay? So this is part of what you do. So get a scribe. Again, this is a delegation aspect. If you are the one teaching, don't be the one that also takes the prayer requests. Get somebody else to be the scribe in the group. They'll write those requests down, and the goal is to spread them out. Now, this can go on for a while if you've got a talker. So, again, at 10 minutes, you're done. We've got to pray for 10 minutes. Thank you. Does, does anybody else have a pressing prayer request is the way I ask it. Does anyone else have a pressing prayer request, which means... It needs to be serious because we're out of time. And that sounds heartless, but that's just time. Time is the great commodity that we can't ever get back, and we just have to use it faithfully and carefully. Um, At that point, we should have about 10 minutes left. And the scribe will then delegate out the the duties to pray. So you go down the list. We're going to pray for Nick's kid. Uh, We're going to pray for Brody's uh, camp. We're going to pray for this. Who, Who will pray for Brody's camp? You, th- thank you very much. Who will pray for you know, Nick's kid? Thank you very much. And, and we go around the corner, and hopefully every single prayer request is assigned to a different person to pray. And again, in an organized fashion, you say, all right, uh, this person on my right with the first prayer request, you're going to start us out. We're going to go around the table with everyone that was assigned a request, and I will close this. You close as the leader, or you de- designate someone to close as the leader. Let's pray. This person starts praying, pray, 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 and then you close. And when you close, that's it. You're done. You should be pretty close to one hour on the dot. And, um, you know, maybe that sounds highly structured to you, but some great things just happened there. People read the scriptures out loud. People talked about the scriptures. People prayed, shared about their lives. They prayed for each other. Um, and then they can still make it to work on time. I, I consistently, in leading small groups, the biggest gripe that I have from outside people that come to the small groups that I lead is they say, I go to small group and it's a total waste of what? My time. Because people are just in there running their mouths about things that are irrelevant and I just gave up an hour of my time and what was the point of that? And it just didn't make, I I want people when they get together, yes, not all the time are we, you know, it just, at that point in time, if you're waking up that early in the morning and coming out, there, there ought to be some benefit that comes out of it that's clear. So this is the way we have done it for a long time. And uh, it has been very effective. And this is the way we're trying to lead uh, small groups in our new church. uh, And it has been effective so far, but, um, Nick brought up the question of, uh, is this a men's only group or a women's only group? This is something that we didn't even think about because there definitely are women agents. Um, we have never, like, 
had to turn someone away. But if this is what you're getting at, I think having it be a men's only group is very important uh, because you talk about things you would not normally talk about. And that's part of protecting that for us is to keep it off campus. Um, I do think as a men's group, it's, it's, that's what it needs to be. Uh, so that's the general format. Now, let me, there's just a couple of things about that before we get into the invitation system, which is very important. Um, as we study the scriptures, you will see guys show up with any number of things. So you don't know where they come from. So you need to be a student of the guys that show up. And first of all, make sure that they have a Bible. Like, make sure it's not some thing that they got from a Jehovah's Witness that gave it to them or something like that. I mean, look at it. And make sure it's a translation of the Scripture. Like, hey, brother, what is that? You know, let's take a look at that. And you don't know what they're going to show up with. Uh, it could be something that is an archaic King James Bible. And, like, they don't understand what they're reading. So if they do understand that, then fine. But if not, like, brother, let me give you something that is a, a translation of the Scripture. If we need to talk about what translation means, then let, we can talk about that. But let's get you a copy of God's Word that, that you can understand and makes more sense to you. Um, I have given a lot of guys the ESV study Bible over time. I am absolutely convinced in our day and age that the ESV study Bible is the absolute best one-volume study Bible out there. If like a guy has no study resources and you don't know where to start with him, go out and spend 25 bucks and buy him an ESV study Bible. You've got all the cheats at the bottom. You've got maps. You've got historical explanations. You've got some systematic theology in the back, and they can go as far as they want to. And, you know, there have been some guys that have left them on the shelf. Other guys that a year later, things covered in duct tape because it's just falling to pieces. They read it so much. And that's a great, uh, a great resource. This is something I did not mention. that came up in a conversation with Pete uh, later this afternoon. I, I should have mentioned this morning. In, in, in personal evangelism, as we get down the, the road with a conversation with people, I, I highly encourage you when it's appropriate to give someone a copy of the scriptures, especially if you feel like the personal evangelism like, uh, conversation has hit a wall and you're not sure where to go with it next, the next step is that person needs to start reading the scriptures. It's just like someone that keeps circling in the gospels back to hear more of what Jesus had to say. I want to hear a little bit more of what Jesus had to say, a little bit more of what Jesus had to say. They can then do it themselves, and you'll be surprised. Give people, take a, take a, take a, a basic copy of the scriptures, write something in the front flyleaf of it to let them know you care about them and you're praying for them, and, and give it to them as a part of your effort to see them come to know the Lord. You have no idea where the Lord will take that and how he will use it uh, in their life. We can, I'll take more questions later if you have them, but we better close it up for the next uh, person. So let me uh, pray for us. Let's, let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you, and we thank you for the opportunity of meeting in small groups. This is a pattern that you developed with your disciples, 12 men. Uh, it just in one way makes no sense why you wouldn't just speak to the masses over and over and over, but you spent so much time with just 12 guys, and then beyond that with just three and then with one. And Lord, I pray, help us. Uh, to, to have the sacrifice, uh, the sacrificial attitude, the organization, the people skills necessary to put these things together. I pray for my brother down here who's trying to do this and people are not committing. I pray that you would answer his prayer and that you would fill that table and that those men that he is inviting would get beyond their excuses and realize the need to study the scriptures together. Bless us as we seek to go on mission for you and help us in this area. In Christ's name I pray, amen.